Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. My name is Sean Maloney and I am here today with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for asking. We do have another friend, right, today? That's it. That's it. We're going to be going back to some of our, our roots here. Both of us have worked with uh, for many years with our guest today, Dr. Julie Bernier. Uh, Julie, I'm going to call her Julie moving forward. That's how uh, she was before she was Dr. Julie. We knew her as Julie. Uh, Dr. Julie Bernier is an assistant professor at McGill University in the departments of oncology and pathology. And she's a research scientist at the Research Institute of the McGill University Health Center. Julie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Great. So um, this conversation is going to dive into a topic that uh, probably a lot of listeners are not that familiar with. So I thought we could maybe start with a uh, high-level overview of liquid biopsies. If you could explain a little bit, uh, what is a liquid biopsy? Sure. So a liquid biopsy really is the sampling and, and analysis of non-solid biological tissue. So what does that mean? Those are the biofluids that we find in, in our bodies. Um, when we talk about liquid biopsy, we primarily talk about blood but it's not just blood. We can talk about saliva, we can talk about urine, um, cerebral spinal fluid, all the different biofluids that we have in our, in our body um, are rich sources of material that comes from, uh, from, from our bodies, but also from diseases that can, uh, that can inflict us, such as cancer. And as a cancer biologist, I look at liquid biopsy from the perspective of a tool to diagnose and monitor cancer patients. And what can you detect in the liquid biopsy, like cells, molecules, markers? Like what exactly uh, you're searching for when, when we study those? Well, we can find a lot of different things. So uh, in cancer, we really look for um, what we call circulating cancer cells or circulating tumor cells, which are cells that detach from the primary mass, the primary tumor. Um, and enter the bloodstream. And we know that those cells are the cells that are largely responsible for the spread of cancer in somebody's body for the process of metastasis. And so we can identify those cells based on the properties of those cells. And it allows us to monitor patients, but it also allows us to really study their disease. The other thing that we look for um, in recent years and is a big focus of my work is looking for genetic material in the blood. So we already do that um, for other non-disease states, like for example, for prenatal testing. So um, pregnant women in Quebec uh, have um, access to prenatal testing, and that's where we look for cell-free pieces of DNA that comes from the fetus in the maternal blood, and you can screen for all sorts of different disorders. So much in the same way, in a patient with cancer, we look for pieces of their genetic material that comes from the tumor and we term that circulating tumor dna okay so if you're looking at let's say you're looking at the blood for example of a patient um what are the i guess what are some of the benefits of doing a liquid biopsy versus a traditional you know tumor biopsy in this case yeah, so I, there's a lot of um, uh, benefits. The, the big one is that it's a really minimally invasive uh, approach. So if you think about doing a biopsy on a patient, a traditional biopsy versus taking a blood draw, 
We know that it really, um, it's much less invasive and it provides the patient through treatment a much better quality of life if they're being monitored in this minimally or non-invasive way. Um, for patients with, being, with, with cancers in the mouth, for example, we've started looking at saliva. So that's just spitting into a tube. Uh, we don't have to, um, it, you know, it's, it's a complement to having to uh, biopsy uh, different tumors. So it's, it, it provides us a much easier, uh, less expensive, and much better for the patient way to study and monitor their disease. And how do you process a, a liquid biopsy sample? Do you spin it down and put it under the microscope? Or, or uh, is there any other way of uh, getting you the, the answer that you're looking for? Yeah, it, it always starts with spinning. Uh, we're always spinning down the blood to get rid of all the cells that are just the normal parts of the blood, um, your red blood cells, your white blood cells. And then we're really looking in different ways to isolate the material that we're looking for. If we're isolating um, uh, cancer cells in the blood, for example, then we're looking for, we're using systems that allow us to look at the, the shape and the size of cells and um, isolate the cancer ones based on the characteristics of the cancer cells. If we're looking for DNA, then there's commercially available kits. There's um, lab techniques that we use to be able to, to really isolate, to, to distinguish the DNA that's coming from uh, tumor cells versus the DNA that you would find for other reasons in the blood, like for example, coming from your blood cells or coming from um, um, normal cells in the body. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of molecular biology techniques that we use routinely in the lab to do that. I was just gonna jump in with a quick question here, if you don't mind. Um, before you keep going there, Bruno, um, when you're talking about detecting tumor cells, detecting DNA, can you, you know, I'm thinking about someone just going for a routine blood test. Can you use this concept of liquid biopsies to maybe detect, um, certain diseases or in your, in your case, as a, a, an oncology researcher, certain cancers before maybe other types of, um, you know, scans or what have you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. There's a lot of work going into seeing whether we can use it as a diagnostic tool. Um, liquid biopsy really in the cancer space is being used, okay, so can we use it to diagnose diseases, to really kind of screen for patients that could have a disease, much like you do a pap smear, for example, for, for women to look for cervical cancer. Can we do that um, uh, non-invasively for patients? And there is a lot of work to suggest that in certain contexts, that is the case. We can look for pieces of DNA that you know, uh, uh, would indicate or, or uh, would indicate a malignancy, a uh, cancer um, in, in, as a screening tool. What we do always have to uh, balance is whether you know, the disease is, has, a, has a prevalence that would allow for us to screen in that way, um, the cost effectiveness of, of such a tool. The other really big field for liquid biopsy that I'm really excited about is, is a way to monitor patients that already have the diagnosis of cancer. So if a patient um, is already uh, diagnosed with a specific cancer and are undergoing treatment, um, I think liquid biopsy can provide a lot of um, exciting potential to monitor these patients in a non-invasive way. We know that when patients, for example, are on chemotherapy or radiation therapy or undergoing surgery, um, every additional uh, uh, invasive procedure that we do can be quite difficult for those patients. They're already going through a lot. Their bodies are going through a lot. So if we can monitor in such a personalized way and, and non-invasively, then I think it really helps us keep a close eye on the disease in a way that's good for the quality of the life of the patient. 
And like, uh, sorry, maybe a very busy question here, but like, is it when you when you uh, uh, send one of those uh, biopsies to the lab, do you need to know what you're looking for, and do you get like a yes or no answer? Uh, I'll give an example here to illustrate. Let's say if you have a blood test from uh, a patient that had UV melanoma and you want to know if there are any circulating cells. Is it possible, for example, to kind of like, oh, you don't have any UV melanoma cells, but we found a prostate cancer cell? Like, I mean, can you look for one thing and found another, find another? I mean, you could. Uh, and I think it, it, it's a question that we're still really trying to get an answer for. Um, Bruno, you right, might remember from your days uh, in medicine that sometimes we do have patients with multiple malignancies too, right? And yeah. sometimes we want to know what's contributing to their disease. And so in certain contexts, liquid biopsy can allow us to see, okay, we do see something in the blood, where is it coming from? And help us to diagnose, um, uh, you know, what, what cancer is causing, you know, whether it's symptoms or disease progression. I think it's important to note that this is all really kind of in, in the research phase. Um, and, we're learning. We're learning every day about what liquid biopsy can can show us um, as a tool for diagnosis, as a tool for monitoring, as a tool for finding out that yes or no, uh, uh, if the patient has cancer or doesn't have cancer. We have some exciting projects uh, right now in the lab where we do think that in, in some cancers like ocular melanoma, we, we might have a test that tells us if a patient has a tumor or not. But it's all being developed and we need to run the right clinical trials and the right clinical studies to be able to validate and really for sure show uh, the benefits. But I think what's becoming clear to, to me and, and, and our group and many groups around the world is that there's so much potential for liquid biopsy as a tool in medicine, in, in personalized medicine, and, and to help us really uh, uh, track these patients and, and provide them the best care. So, Julie... Okay, you dropped the word in there, and so did Bruno. Uh, you mentioned ocular melanoma, and Bruno mentioned uveal melanoma. Maybe just for the audience, uh, for some people who'd be listening, they wouldn't be that familiar with those terms because um, ocular melanomas or uveal melanomas are quite rare in general. Can you maybe just explain a little bit about what these tumors are, and uh, maybe if you have an, an idea of you know who they affect or uh, incidence, anything like that? Yeah, sure. So um, uveal melanoma is the most common intraocular tumor in adults. So it's the most common tumor that you find inside the eye of, of adult patients. And it's quite a rare disease. Um, we're looking at about five per million uh, in, in incidence. Um, the incidence does reflect a little bit uh, where the person lives, um, eye color, kind of like melanoma of the skin. So, Uveal melanoma is a disease that's, that arises inside uh, the eye in something called the uveal tract. And um, I like to uh, talk about it in, in its comparison to cutaneous melanoma, which is skin melanoma, which is the most lethal form of skin cancer, because most people are more aware of, of, of skin melanoma than they are of ocular melanoma. So the um, so uveal melanoma comes from the same cells that cause skin melanoma, but these cells are found inside the eye. Um, and while skin melanoma uh, has you know kind of another way of 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 arising.
mean, they, they don't present with symptoms and their disease, their, their cancer, their intraocular cancer is diagnosed um, uh, during a routine eye exam. And that's really important because uh, while uva melanoma is very rare, it's quite a deadly disease with 50% of patients having um, advanced diseases at some point uh, during their disease course um, and developing uh, uh, metastasis or, or their cancer spreading to other organs. So it's a disease that while it's rare, it's really important for us to study and to treat appropriately because it, it's associated with a high mortality rate. Uh, it's so it's, it's, it's cool you mentioned it because uh, I think like melanoma is the number one mortality cause in the ophthalmology field, even though it's rare. Yeah. There's no other eye disease that kills as much, even though you know, like we don't have a ton of uh, uh, melanoma patients. Well, that's right. So it's, 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 you know, it doesn't have a, a high prevalence like some other forms of cancer, like prostate cancer or even skin cancer. But, um, but it, it does kill a lot of patients and we, and we need to study it better and we need to, to understand the disease so that we can, we can monitor these patients very carefully. Julie, so when we're, ta we're, we're talking a little bit about uh, these ocular tumors and talking about blood samples, you, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation about, you know, when describing what liquid biopsy is, um, that it really, you can take a liquid biopsy from cerebral spinal fluid, from urine, from different um, bodily fluids, why the blood for this type of disease? And, you know, what would be some of the other indications? Like when would you ever take liquid biopsy from urine or from cerebral spinal fluid versus blood? When would it be beneficial uh, or is it disease specific? The way that we do it in the lab is that we try to really uh, think about what makes sense from an, an autonomy, autonomy uh, uh, point of view. So, um, you know, what is the anatomy of the disease? What organ does it affect? So we know that um, uvum melanoma is a disease, like I said, that spreads uh, in half of, half of the patients that it, it affects. And it spreads through the blood. We know that because there's no lymphatics in the eye. So it has to spread through the bloodstream. And so blood seemed to us like a really good um, choice for us to uh, study the presence of, of molecules or, or cells or DNA that comes from those, those tumors in the eye. And what we found is that really that is the case. Um, in the lab, we are looking at some other forms of liquid biopsy in uva melanoma. For example, the aqueous humor, which for those that don't know, is the fluid that you can find uh, inside the eye. Um, and we're looking at that because sometimes to decrease uh, eye pressure, um, that fluid is removed uh, in, by an ophthalmologist and discarded. Um, and so we're looking at to see if we can kind of recycle that fluid to help us uh, uh, study and diagnose uh, uva melanoma. Um, but what we are seeing is that in terms of the blood in all of the patients that we've tested uh, with, uh, for uva melanoma um, uh, DNA in their blood, we, we are able to find it, we are able to detect it. And that, that has really important implications. It's important because it allows us to study the disease. It's important because we can monitor the levels of that kind of like a biomarker. Um, and, uh, and it's really bringing us a step closer to understanding how this disease spreads. Uh, so we, we, I mean, we all know that uh, uh, your lab is one of the most active in the world you know, like in the UV melanoma research. Uh, can you give us like a sneak peek of what's going on, like the latest research that you've been involved on and uh, the things that you should be excited about? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I think, 
I think we have a, you know, a, a few uh, cool projects right now in the works. Um, in the UVA melanoma space, um, we're showing that um, DNA, fragments of DNA that are released by tumor cells in those ocular tumors, in those ocular uh, cancers, can be found in the blood. And we see a really strong correlation between the levels of those molecules, those pieces of DNA that come from cancer cells um, with the level of disease. So we're really excited about that. We're really excited about it um, from two perspectives um, as a way to diagnose small tumors. Um, as Bruno probably remembers, the diagnosis of a small melanoma um, can be sometimes a little bit tricky. And one of the reasons it can be tricky is because like skin melanoma, um, some ocular uh, melanomas um, uh, come uh, first as a, as a nevus. So if we think about, um, you know, uh, nevi are those moles that you find on your skin, for example. Well, we also have moles inside of our eye. Uh, and we just don't see them as often because nobody's really looking inside their eyes for those types of things. But sometimes the ophthalmologist will see them. And we know that a percentage of those um, uh, eye moles, let's say those nevus, can develop into melanoma and we know how deadly ocular melanoma can be. So while in the skin, you, you know, would one day just see that you have a new mole and you might go to the dermatologist and, and ask, okay, does this look suspicious? And then just monitor it over time. It's a little bit more tricky when we're looking at it uh, inside the eye. So we're really excited um, if, uh, to see that liquid biopsy might help us be able to differentiate or, or to be able to catch those moles turning into cancer. So we're really excited about it, about the project from that perspective. And then we're really excited about the project to give us a way to monitor these patients. You know, we talk about the non-invasive nature of a blood draw, um, especially compared to a traditional biopsy, but a traditional biopsy of the skin is one thing, but a traditional biopsy intraocular is another. And I think probably anybody listening uh, can imagine that you don't, you know, necessarily want an intraocular biopsy uh, if, if you can help it. So um, I think liquid biopsy gives us a really uh, a great uh, advantage in that sense of being able to monitor patients in, in a way that's much less invasive. So we're, we're really excited about that work. So, you know, uh, I know all three of us on this conversation know a little bit about the history of um, the lab that you're running. Um, there's a strong history there of ocular melanoma research. What I always found interesting is you had, you know, branched out before you came back to this lab, you had a lot of, you know, cancer biology, molecular biology training, um, and then brought all that expertise back to this lab that you're now um, the superstar at, <laughs> but, but putting it very mildly. Uh, I'm just curious in some of your other, other training, like, did you specifically study liquid biopsies in other ways before you took that expertise back to the ocular uh, oncology world? Or, you know, what was some of the background that you had that led you to, to look at liquid biopsies as a research domain um, or a research angle in this field? Yeah, so I, I definitely don't feel like a superstar, but thanks, John. Uh, but uh, no, I think I think it's you know it's funny how life leads us to to different paths, and and, and it's definitely led me back into a field that I, I wouldn't have predicted necessarily that I would be in. Um, I'm a I'm a cancer biologist by training. I did my PhD at McGill. Um, in actually, I did it in liver metastasis research, and liver metastasis is when cancer spreads to the liver, and that can be quite a um, 
uh, a severe uh, outcome, and it's it's uh, a part of cancer biology that I was really interested in, trying to understand how we can understand the spread of, of cancer to the liver and, and stop it. And I wasn't working in, in uvula melanoma, I was working in, in, in something else. Uh, I was working in, in a different type of cancer called colorectal carcinoma. And I needed a model to validate some of my findings during my PhD. And uh, as you know, Sean, my, my father's an ophthalmologist and has a big lab working in, in ocular diseases. And so I teamed up with him to see if we could validate our findings. And I got really interested in melanoma. It's a rare disease, but it has a high mortality rate. Um, it's a really, from a biology perspective, a really unique disease um, and that we really do need to understand it better. There is a need there for us to, to treat patients um, in a more personalized way, to, to understand the disease, to understand why some patients live with it for a really long time and some patients develop that spread. So I got kind of really excited about uh, studying it and, and trying to make an impact for, for cancer patients. And then, as you said, I went away and, and did all sorts of postdoctoral training abroad, um, again, in the cancer field and um, in Toronto, worked in ovarian cancer and got really excited about liquid biopsy and the potential of liquid biopsy for ovarian cancer um, and other uh, gynecological cancers. And so when I came back to McGill, um, I uh, focused my research on how we can use liquid biopsy to, to as, as a tool to monitor different cancers. And, and as you know, I work in a lot of different cancers, not just uh, UL melanoma, but I think I've always held on to that, um, that I guess, desire to understand uvula melanoma and to, to try to make a difference in, in this field. So yeah, so that's why I kind of always come back to this disease and, and, and hope that our research leads to something, um, which I think it will, something promising and, and that will benefit the patients that, that are unfortunately inflicted by it. And uh, you mentioned already that this the, the use of liquid biopsies in, in the context of oncology it's it's still uh, uh, considered research. Uh, is there any estimate on on when it's going to be available, like commercially or, or like in a clinical setting, like so as as a real tool, like I mean, to guide the clinical decisions? What's really exciting, I think, is that in, in some specific, specific context, uh, liquid biopsy is already in the clinic. So uh, the FDA approved, um, I guess it's now maybe five years ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the EGFR, it's a mutation that happens in non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, it's a, and so they, they uh, approved this uh, liquid biopsy test called the COBIS, um, and it tracks um, this particular mutation in patients uh, with non-small cell lung cancer. So we know that the potential is there. Um, and I think that's really exciting for the liquid biopsy uh, enthusiasts like me and the, and the community in, in general. Um, I think there's work for us to do uh, in each specific context and each specific cancer type to, to bring it to the clinic, to bring it closer to the patients. When we talk about uva melanoma, one of the challenges that we face is that it is a rare disease. So for, you know, the listeners, uh, uh, you know, now, especially during the pandemic, everybody knows that oftentimes it takes a really long time for us to develop uh, um, pharmaceuticals, uh, treatments, uh, new uh, tests. And with unprecedented unpre speed, we were able to come up with vaccines for, for this pandemic. But that was really because of how many people, um, uh, you know, have been affected by COVID and, and its high prevalence rate. 
when we look at a disease that have that has such a low prevalence, when it has such a, a you know, it, it doesn't inflict that many people, it's rare um, for us to be able to accumulate the data necessary to be able to validate our findings, to prove, you know, uh, uh, this test works. It's it's challenging. So one of the things that we're really excited about in the lab is that our liquid biopsy studies in uva melanoma are highly collaborative. We're working with groups all over the world so that we can have as many patients as possible enrolled on our studies um, so that we can, you know, as quickly as possible uh, determine if this is something that we can bring to the clinic. So we're working with labs um, and hospital centers in the U.S., in South America, um, uh, in Canada, um, at uh, Université de Montréal. So we're really trying to, uh, um, you know, work together because there aren't that many patients in one particular geographic re region. We have to work together. We have to bring these patients together, these samples together, so that we can we can really make an impact. So you touched on personalized medicine. And maybe we can use that as a, I want to circle back to that before we, before we let you get back to the, the, the good research that you're doing. Um, why is personalized medicine such a, a hot topic, I guess, nowadays? Like I, I've seen it, um, that terminology used, not just in dealing with ocular tumors, but um, in, you know, when looking at many other uh, diseases, I guess. And uh, it just seems to be something in the last five, 10 years, you hear people referring to a lot. So uh, what would you be your, I don't know, best stab at why personalized medicine uh, is so important and maybe why that is the case in the case uh, for ocular tumors as well? So personalized medicine is definitely one of those buzzwords that we're hearing all the time. Um, and, and, and I think in, in a way it's, you know, it's, it's definitely become a buzzword, but in another way, it's really important. Um, as a cancer biologist, uh, intimately aware of, of how complex cancer is, um, sometimes we tend to think of cancer in quite a simplistic view, right? Okay, there's cancer cells, we'll kill them and that's it. But we know it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, each tumor, each cancer type, whether we're talking about ovarian cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, uh, leukemias, ocular tumors, they're all really different. Their biology is different um, from one another. And then from patient to patient, those diseases are really different. The breast cancer that one patient might have is quite different than the breast cancer that another patient has. That because nowadays we have this, these amazing methodologies, this amazing equipment um, and infrastructure to really analyze the genetic components of cancer cells and, and really characterize them. And so the more that we've done that, the more questions it's, it's raised and shown us how complex and how varied and how heterogeneous these, these cancers can be. And then on top of that, each person's immune system is different. So each person's ability to fight off cancer is different. So that's, of course, going to impact their ability to receive different treatments, their ability to tolerate different treatments. Um, so, you know, gone are the days where we used to just give the same medicine to, you know, everybody who walked in the clinic. We're really moving towards a personalized approach. Uh, we already see that in therapeutics. We already see that nowadays we have really great specific treatments that target whether it's a specific mutation that a patient might have in their cancer cells or, uh, you know, a, 
a receptor on their cancer cells that, that is um, overly active. We now know that there's a lot of approved and in clinical trial drugs that can be really um, uh, helpful uh, to specific patients, but maybe not to another group of patients. So our, our cancer world is already really moving to a more personalized uh, view. And I, and I think that's really important. In, in oncology, we call that precision oncology. You know, it's another buzzword, but I think it's important for us to keep that in mind and, and to know that if we can start thinking about patients, um, you know, and, and their disease as a really individualist, uh, in a really individual way, uh, we might be able to find the right treatments and the right way to monitor and, 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 and track their disease that best works for that particular treatment. So it's, you know, we might not be completely uh, uh, in personalized medicine yet, but there are definitely uh, lots of signs showing that we're, we're getting there. And the more research that we do, uh, the better. When we talk about uveal melanoma, um, it's a disease where sometimes we don't understand why one patient has a uveal, uh, uveal melanoma tumor um, and they never end up having any spread and they never end up having any problems down the road. And another patient might develop, um, uh, might, might have their cancer spread to other organs and, and unfortunately succumb to their disease. And so, yes, we're learning that there's different uh, proteins that are expressed and different mutations that might impact that. Uh, so we're, we're starting to learn that we can characterize people's diseases in a really personalized way. So we can say, okay, patient A might need one sort of treatment, but patient B might benefit from a different um, approach. So I think that's, that's where we are. And it's, it's actually a really exciting time to be in the field. And I, and I think, you know, in the, in the next, I, I can't give a timeline, but in the next, uh, in the foreseeable future, we're going to just bring that personalized approach more and more to the clinic. It sounds like the, you know, what you're doing now, we've kind of come full circle in the conversation because it sounds like liquid biopsy is one of the I would say uh, most formidable tools in personalized medicine, right? You can gain insights um, into the, you know, in this case, in looking at ocular tumors, you can gain insights into the, the biology of those tumors without ever touching them um, and determine maybe what the best course of action is. And even over time, as someone's being treated, still have a uh, minimally invasive way to monitor that treatment. And if you need to, you know, adjust course along the way. So, um, Julia, this is, this is awesome. This is, this is an interesting conversation. I know I've actually learned a lot. I probably should have known all this before, but, uh, I've been out of research for a while now and Bruno, I'm sure you remember, you, you know, all this, right. This is all nothing, nothing's new for you. Well, I mean, a lot of things have changed, man. Like I mean, my days in the lab, but like, I mean, I, I'm glad that Julie, he was able to, to tackle such a, such a, like, I mean, niche theme and, and put it in terms that was very easy to understand. Thank you. <laughs> 